This is Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy. Join my co-host, as always, Justin Watson. And we are just about a week out now from the re- uh, return to the Cotton Eye Joe for Valor 72. We're going to be speaking with three of the contestants on that card this evening as we prepare for two shows in eight days. Of course, Valor 72 going down Friday, September the 4th from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe, Knoxville, Tennessee. And then eight days later, we will be down in Chattanooga at the Camp Jordan Arena on September the 12th where we will have two new professional champions crowned that evening. We'll be getting into all that uh, in a lot more detail, of course, in the coming weeks. Uh, but for today's show, man, uh, Justin, we, we've got uh, we've got we're going to talk to Tank Wilson Jr. and Logan Dean. Uh, those guys are going to compete in uh, the main event next week for that middleweight uh, strap for the uh, 185 championship there. And then we're also going to talk to Andrew Havner, who is in the co-main event against Garrett Sharp. Uh, after that, we will jump into a recap of this past weekend's Bellator and UFC cards, a quick overview of Contender Series, and then a look ahead at this weekend's UFC card. Uh, a busy week, Justin. It's been, uh, you know, we've, we've had some quick episodes for the last month, you know, three or four weeks, but uh, tonight it's, it's jam-packed. Yeah, a lot to go over. Uh, you know, like you said, a few interviews, and uh, as always, fight every weekend right now. Yeah, you know, uh, I was just heard from uh, Jason Floyd that there are UFC events planned all the way into the middle of December. That's uh, that's incredible, isn't it? I mean, you know, they're thinking it since the return from uh, the COVID uh, uh, shutdown, if you will. I can only recall two weeks where the UFC hasn't ran already, and you know we're right now in the middle of August. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know they're gonna have a, an end of the year event without a doubt. So, um, if anything, we're looking at missing what one week for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible, really, that they're able to, to do that. I'm I'm grateful. Uh, you know, uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, it gives us something, uh, you know, to, to look forward to each week, especially with, uh, um, unfortunately more social unrest going on out there in the world, uh, where the, you know, the NBA, uh, they, uh, they called all their games off. Uh, you know, it's, uh, so the, for the UFC to be able to kind of give us that, uh, that guaranteed action, if you will, is, uh, certainly appreciated. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, um, you know, it's definitely keeping me entertained and, and they've taken full advantage of, of everything going on with the situation to try to get um, as much, you know, as much face time as they can right now. And where, where their sports are sitting out, capitalizing on probably a whole new fan base. So um, I think they're going to come out of this whole situation looking pretty. I uh, wish they could get a little more, a uh, little better fight cards, I guess, you know, but. Um, the situation that we're dealing with, you know, it's hard to get guys in and fights falling off last minute and stuff like that. But I think they're improvising pretty well and, um, you know, keeping the show going like they said they would. Absolutely. Well, we'll get into, uh, you know, more more 
uh, detail uh, on all of the uh, the fights that the UFC has coming up this weekend, including lots of uh, changes. Of course, heck, just while we've been recording tonight, I, we've already been informed that uh, we've had a change. We'll go into uh, over all that. But first, let's get to our interview uh, portion of the program. Uh, as promised, we have three uh, of the fighters on Valor 72, which is going down next Friday night. The first of which is Mr. Andrew Havener. Let's get him online. All right, our first guest on the line tonight, we've got Andrew Havener joining us. He's going to be making his return to the Valor Cage here in just over a week at Valor 72 at the World Famous Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. Going to be taking on another KMAA fighter in Garrett Sharp. Andrew, how's it going, man? It's going well, dude. Going well. Good, man. It's good to hear from you. appreciate you taking a little bit of time to chat with us on uh, what would I, I would imagine would be your, your uh, hardest week of training here in the, in the lead up to fight week. Yeah. 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 Actually got me in the middle of training today. So uh, well, I appreciate it. we won't keep you long, man. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this one coming up. Of course, last time we saw you, it was, uh, it was March, you know, so we've had this whole COVID bullshit it's kept us on the shelf, man. And so now, uh, you know, it's been six months since you've had a fight. I know you've, you've been in my inbox, uh, you know, looking to compete you know, for the past several months. Uh, last time out, you got a, a guillotine in the second round over uh, Dan Bailey uh, in a really good fight. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that one first before we get into the next one. Uh, you know, uh, you, the first round, uh, it was close. You probably uh, went into the corner down a round, but it was super close. Second round, you made some adjustments and you choked him to sleep uh with with that guillotine choke uh, talk a little bit about that fight well the game plan originally was exactly what happened in the second round um i mean i had a three over three year layoff i had a baby 2017 and took some time off to myself you know i was still training and stuff but it wasn't like i needed to be to be fighting and i had some ring rust man and i was a deer in the headlights i'm gonna be honest and uh bailey came out strong he pushed me to the cage and, and controlled the whole first round uh, my corner told me short time, so I tried to, you know, reverse it, get, get him to the cage, maybe take down, you know, try to steal around maybe. Uh, it didn't work out to my advantage. He ended up on top, and, you know, we ended the round out that way, and the second round came. My coaches told me, you know, game plan. So we threw it, and I hit him. Uh, didn't look like he liked getting hit very hard. And dropped to the knee, so I hit him again, and uh, one thing led to another, and I ended up with a guillotine. So, you know, that's what it is. He's a tough guy. Uh, I noticed he's got a title fight coming up against the game opponent. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a, scene, that's a scene that I'm hoping to get uh, you in the mix here, uh, you know, uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, you're coming out of Indiana there with nice guy submission fighting. Uh, you know, that's a team that's been around for a long time. Talk a little about uh, your training there at nice guy. Uh, you know, who's been getting you ready for the fights? Uh, any other guys there uh, getting ready for, for any action? Yeah, actually, you got another guy on the card from our camp. Uh, Clay Lee, he's an excellent wrestler. Yeah, uh, he's an excellent wrestler. You know, a uh, three-time state qualifier in the state of Indiana. Uh, he's excellent. I mean, train, he's probably my primary training partner. Um, and then put some rounds in. And then uh, coaching us right now, we've got uh, David Overfield. You know, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu under Sean Hammond, as well as Bobby Hammond. And then... Uh, Aaron Riley's been jumping in a lot, you know, former UFC vet out of yeah. Hamilton. He's been coming in and, and grinding me down, beating the hell out of me. Man, I don't have an easy round in this place, and that's why I love it. You know, that's why we follow adversity. You know, I got my ass kicked in that first round against Bailey, and it, it's just another round to me. 
make some adjustments and trying to win the next one. So, and that's the way we train here. And it's balls to the wall, hard. Come in, get your rounds, go home. You know, rinse, repeat, and let's let's get some wins. Well, now, you know, you're coming up in seven and three and, you know, uh, off a win on the last one, of course. But before that, you know, it had been three years. Uh, you said you took some time off uh, in between there. But, you know, looking back on your record, man, you've been at this thing for over a decade. It looks like you made your debut way back in 2009. You know, so uh, it, it looks like you've had a couple uh, uh, periods of, uh, of inactivity. Has, uh, has it just been life happening, more or less? You just had to kind of put it on the back burner? Injury. Uh so a long two-year layoff was due to injury, and after that, it was just, you know, training, finding a place to train, man. When, when you go into a place and you don't feel like you're at home or you belong, it's kind of hard on somebody to get motivated, you know? So sure. it is what it is. Uh, but, no, I mean, it, realistically, I mean, I'm trying to trying to grind out a couple more amateur fights and then, and then turn pro and get older. You know, I don't have much time left on the shelf, so uh, – yeah, I don't want age to catch up to me. <laughs> yeah, that kind of leads me. Always does, don't it? Man, actually, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, you're uh, I, what you're thirty. You're in your early thirties, is that right? Yeah, I was thirty-three as of yesterday. Oh, happy belated birthday! For sure. Uh, yeah. You know, so you know. Uh, you're that's a little bit uh, you know a little bit older for for your typical amateurs but uh you know so is this a, a situation where you're looking to go ahead and get get that pro jump going uh you know sooner than later or is it uh you know are you just kind of taking it fight by fight i think with the amount of fights you have you know most uh, most guys are going to be you know pretty much ready to make that jump yeah sooner than later on a realistic note but as i said before you know cage times everything and if you haven't been in there for three years, you don't want to go in there and look like a dummy against somebody that's training professionally. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, most of these guys, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I get three to four hours a day, six days a week to train. Whereas some of these amateurs are only getting, you know, three or four days a week, two or three hours. And right. On a pro level, you need to get more than that. So if you want to, if you want to succeed, and it, it's hard for anybody to do so. So, you know, I just don't want to go in there and, get mauled by somebody, I guess. I want to make sure I'm ready. Sure. Proper preparation. That that makes sense. That the people that are successful uh, do it the right way, man. So it sounds like uh, you know that's definitely what, what you're doing. Let's talk a little about this one coming up, man. Uh, you'll be fighting Garrett Sharp. Garrett is a teammate of Dan Bailey's there and uh, comes into this one at four and one. Uh, you know he, he's a young buck, uh, college student. Uh, you know, pretty athletic, uh, pretty good grappling himself. I think that for the for, for the most part, I think that's what uh, he would be pegged as. Uh, you know, from what we've seen so far. Talk Talk a little bit about this matchup. Uh, anything, uh, you know, uh, stand out uh, about uh, Mr. Sharp? Uh, no, I mean, that KMMA camp, they always come out, you know, in shape. They always come out prepared. Good coaching staff there, you know. Uh, I I don't see anything particularly great with him, but I don't see any really bad areas. So it's going to be hard. He, he seems like the type that will be able to adjust if I beat him on the feet or if I beat him on the ground. You know, it's just going to be one of those – I think it's going to be a tough fight. He's a, he's a game opponent, and, and like you said, you know he's athletic. You know he's in the build. He's what five nine, five ten, hundred fifty five pounds, and he probably make forty five relatively easy. So yes, nah, I mean, yeah. it, it's just going to be. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say I believe he has done forty five. 
It hasn't. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really look too much into my opponents when I'm facing them. I let my coaches do that. But just from what I've gathered from them, it, it, like I said, he looks, he looks, you know, sharp around all edges. He's not, he's not particularly bad at anything. So, you know, it's just something you've got. I guess I'm more or less working my game plan and not really concerning myself with his yet. So. Sure. No, man, I like that. I like that approach. I, mean, I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's a good close fight. We're going to good uh, put on a good show for the crowd at the Joe. Now, uh, you know, what's it like uh, during these COVID times for you guys, man? I know you're in a state where it's just uh, action has been halted, as it is in many states. It seems like, uh, with the exception of the South, you know, it seems like we don't give a fuck. You know, we just roll on in, yeah. uh, you know, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida. We, you know, we're, we just do our thing. What, uh, you know, has it been uh, tough here over these last six months? You know, obviously you, you haven't been able to find fights. You had something set, I remember, and that show ended up getting canceled. Uh, you know, I guess they they didn't release uh, events, you know, being able to, to, to run as usual. So uh, what's it been like, you know, over these last six months of, uh, you know, the COVID situation, man? The last time you fought was like just a couple weeks before the shit hit the fan. Right. Um, you know, going down there, man, it was, it was weird going down in March, just everything was starting to slow down and people were acting funny and stuff like that. And we come back and it went three weeks later to start shutting everything down. Us as a gym, we've never shut down. You know, we, we've been training, we've got people competing at SUG and people competing in a uh, fight to win and uh, different stuff like that. So we're just, we're grinding, we're moving, you know, we're, we're going to keep and continue doing that. But shows up here, you know, I was going to fight locally on the 19th of this month, and it got shut down. It's just everywhere around us, Kentucky, you know, Ohio, Illinois. I mean, it's, I think it's, uh, I think it'll blow over maybe in November, but we'll see. <laughs> no doubt, man. We'll see. Well, one can pray, right? <laughs> yeah right i can i can only hope man uh man I, before we let you go i want to let you give some shout outs where they where they're due any uh friends training partners sponsors family you want to show some love to i'll let you do that and then uh, finish us off by uh letting our listeners know where they can follow you on social media uh i'd like to thank you know obviously my teammates and everybody here at nice guys mission fighting my coaches uh david overfield and bobby Hammonds, uh aaron riley Josh Shockman. Um, I also like to thank my training partners, Clay Lee, my brother, Zane Havner, uh, my family, my friends. You know, they're dealing with me in this hard time. So, uh, and then, you know, just everybody in general, you, Valor, I'd like to thank all of them too. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Andrew Havner, or you can find me on Instagram at How Worthless Is This. Once again, <laughs> <laughs> Once again, this has been Andrew Havner. You can catch him in action next weekend at Valor 72 for the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. If you can't be there in person, you can uh, check out the pay-per-view at VFCMMA.com. You can catch the link there. Uh, thanks so much for the time, Andrew. Looking forward to seeing you next weekend. Yep, man, you too. I'll see you soon. All right, next up on the line, we have got Logan Dean joining us ahead of his main event slot at next week's Valor 72 event from the world-famous Cotton-Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee, taking on the defending Valor champion, Tank Wilson Jr. Logan, how's it going, my man? Going good. Going good. Just been working my butt off. Ah, very nice, very nice. Well, uh, I know this is likely your uh, your hell week, uh, if you will, when it comes to uh, training and preparation for this fight. So we appreciate you taking the time to uh, 
to join us for sure. Uh, you know, before we get going, this is the first time that we have had you on the show, so we typically like to to uh, give a little introduction and uh, let our listeners know who they're talking to. If you would, just give us a bit of your background, just uh, you know, uh, you know, your wrestling background and how you got into MMA, uh, and, you know, up until this point. Yeah. Well, uh, I started out wrestling when I was real small, as soon as I could remember. And I ended up uh, going into college for it. Once I got out of college, I went to a police athletic league and started boxing. Did some different stuff, some golden gloves and all that. And I found some guys rolling around doing some jiu-jitsu. Started doing that. And then I branched on into MMA. Very nice, man. And, uh, you know, yeah. so so you you come from a, from an extensive wrestling background. Talk a bit about, uh, you know, uh, your you know, your achievements as uh, as you kind of, uh, you know, came up through uh, high school and into college. Oh, shoot. OK, well, hmm. I ended up uh, doing pretty good. I won in the <laughs> district and region four times, state twice or once. And uh, I had my brother to train with. He won four state titles, so he taught me a whole lot. My dad ended up winning two, so I had some good coaches to help me all the way along. It's a family thing. Yeah, family thing. <laughs> so talk about your training now, man. Who, who are you training with to get you ready for these fights? Okay, well, I train with a lot of different people. I just I found a guy down here that, at that police athletic league I was talking about. His name mm-hmm. is Robbie Adams. Man, he has been doing MMA ever since he's been around in North Carolina. And I lucked up, man. He trains me, and he's taught me a lot. And now I live about two hours away from him, so I, I try to go down and train with him some. And I have another guy named Rick Bateman that runs uh, Outer Banks Martial Arts. And he trains with me a whole lot. So. So, of course, you know, you're coming into this thing undefeated. Uh, you've also uh, done well in some boxing and, and whatnot on the side. Uh, you know, uh, talk a little bit about your last fight. You know, the last time out we saw you uh, was just uh, a couple months back. You took on Jason Williams, a guy that had quite a few more fights than you. You know, he had like, oh man, he had like 10 fights or something uh, compared to you only having one at the time. Talk a little bit about that fight. You ended up getting him out of there. Yeah, shoot. I just, I hadn't had the one fight then. So I came in, now I got two. But I was really rusty. I hadn't got to train a whole lot due to COVID and everything being shut down. I'd just been training in my backyard. And uh, I saw the opportunity to fight and took it. Trained my butt off, went out there, and everything didn't go as planned, but I ended up with the win. So I'm happy with it. Most definitely. And of course, with that win, that positions you for your next fight, a quick turnaround. So this will be nice. You know, this will be the the quickest that you've had two fights uh, back to back, you know, in a couple months of each other. So I'm sure you've been able to kind of stay in shape, stay in the groove. You'll be taking on Tank Wilson Jr., the reigning champion. Uh, He's also undefeated himself coming out of the KMAA gym, Uh, you know, and he, from what we've seen so far has been, uh, you know, very, uh, very strong, very, uh, for the most part, he's been able to have his way in the wrestling exchanges, which is where I think things get really interesting here with the match with you because of the, the decorated wrestling background that you bring to the table. So uh, talk a little bit about this matchup, man. Have you been able to catch some footage on tank? Have you been doing any scouting or is it kind been working on your own game <laughs> okay i'm not gonna lie i hadn't been doing any scouting <laughs> i hadn't even saw one of his matches but i've just been training my butt off I'm, i never really care who i go in there against i'm amateur right now and i'm gonna go sure. to fight whoever at any point in time and 
Give them all. I love the attitude, man. I wish that more guys uh, took that approach to it for sure. Uh, well, we're definitely excited to, uh, you know, to have you out next week, man. Uh, you know, you've, uh, you're always great to work with. And I, I think we're going to have a great main event, uh, you know, uh, in these, these COVID times, it gets me excited to be able to have shows. So uh, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. Let's go, man. I want to let you give some shout outs uh, where they are due. If you've got any uh, training partners, friends, family, sponsors, or anything like that that you want to uh, give a shout out to, I'll let you do it. And then uh, finish us off by letting us know where we can follow you on social media. Okay. Well, I'll give a shout out to uh, my family, my dad, Sean Dean, and my brother, Colby Dean. They both always help me train. And my other brother, Riley Dean. He's in high school right now, but he still helps me. And then my two coaches, Robbie Adams and Rick Bateman. Everybody go down and check out Outer Banks Martial Arts if you can because it's a great place to train. They have guys that do everything from Muay Thai to Jiu-Jitsu and wrestling. And uh, also my sponsor, Beartown Escape Room. I'm happy to have them on board and help me out. And, yeah, follow me on social media at KingBeam185 on Instagram. There you have it, folks. Rising middleweight prospect about to take his crack at the Valor Championship next weekend in the main event of Valor 72 for the World Famous Cognitive. That is Friday night, uh, September the 4th. And uh, you can get your tickets at fighterticks at ticks.com. Make sure you select Logan if you're coming to see him so we can get some credit there. And uh, if you can't make it, you can catch it on pay-per-view that night at the vfcmma.com website. Thanks so much for the time, Logan. Really looking forward to this fight next weekend. Yes, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. And final guest of the evening joining us, the reigning and defending Valor middleweight champion, Tank Wilson Jr. Tank, what's going on, my man? What's going on, man? Excited for uh, to be back in action next week, man. Uh, Tank, of course, is going to be headlining next week's uh, return to the Cotton Eye Joe for Valor 72. He's going to be defending that strap against fellow undefeated fighter Logan Dean. Uh, Tank, what's uh, what's it been like uh, in the lead up to this fight, man? I know has you know the COVID situation has not been uh, ideal uh, for anyone, but has it affected your training and and you know your ability to get ready for this fight? Uh, you know, I know uh, whenever we met up a couple weeks back, you said you'd, uh, you know, you made some uh, uh, trips up down to Atlanta and just uh, doing all you could there while uh, while your gym was closed for a couple weeks. Yeah, man, I had went down to Atlanta uh, with my boy Harrison to go <clears throat> run and uh, do a little sparring and everything down there. Everybody was clean. We had a clean environment and everything. Made sure everything was sanitized down. We wore masks and everything. So. It was it was just a different situation on how I, how I normally practice, but I still I still put my work in. I'm ready. I hope you're ready. Absolutely, man. Uh, you're putting that undefeated record on the line once again, uh, getting that title defense out of the way, and uh, then uh, there's some uh, there's some talk about you maybe turning professional. Oh yes, sir. I can't wait, man. I can't wait, man. This is my last amateur fight. It's time to turn up, man. I know. A lot of people been asking me when am I gonna go pro because they was tired of seeing me just win these easy matches and stuff. But you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to come in stronger than ever. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a stamp on this last little amateur fight for the pros for when I come their way. 
I love the attitude, man. Of course, uh, you know, you're uh, one of your main training partners, uh, Ovin St. Pru. Uh, you know, I'm sure helping you get ready for this one, as always. Uh, you know, one of the guys that, uh, you know, that you obviously hope to follow in his footsteps into the UFC one day. Uh, you know, we saw last week his fight ended up having to be postponed with some crazy wonkiness with, co- you know, there were positive tests and negative tests. Uh, you know, what's uh, what, what was that like hearing, uh, hearing that your boy, uh, you know, on fight night, all of a sudden uh, wasn't going to get to fight? Well, you know, that's why I had to go out of town and everything and train because we had to shut down the gym and everything. People couldn't really train and do everything that they needed to do. But he had got, he had got over it. So, like, this week I'm going – I'm doing a little rolling with him and everything, and we we go spar on Friday. I'm gonna see what he got for me. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? Well, now yeah. he's ready to fight again too, right? Oh uh, yeah, he's gonna fight next week. I think next week, something like that. He's gonna if fight I again, man. Him, bro, I think he might be fighting the day after you. You said what? If I'm not mistaken, I think he's fighting the day after you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think so, too, man. That's why I got to bring this home for Cam and May, man. I'm definitely going to bring it home for Cam and May. I can't, I can't, I can't get, be a loser. You feel me? I can't. It's not in my blood. Most definitely, man. Most definitely. So let's talk a bit about this matchup. You know, uh, you've got Logan Dean. He's a, he's another, uh, you know, undefeated fighter coming out of North Carolina. He won his last fight uh, in the Valor cage. Uh, not quite as uh, experienced with you as MMA, but he can wrestle. You know, he comes from a pretty, pretty solid wrestling background. Uh, any, any thoughts on this opponent or is it just the, you know, the last guy in line before you turn pro? How I'm looking at it is I look at every every opponent as dangerous, you know what I'm saying, as I could be because I don't want to just overlook anybody, you know. Sure. So I'm I'm taking this fight seriously like I'm going to take every other fight seriously. I'm not just looking at it as like this is my last one. I'm just going there do what I need to do to win. Now I'm trying to knock him out or submission like always. You know what I'm looking for. So I'm just I'm uh I'm very aware of his wrestling and everything. He got good wrestling. I've seen him fight before I had went out of town uh, on vacation. Mm-hmm. He got a quick submission choke and everything. I don't think it's going to be that easy for me. I know it ain't going to be that easy for me. It's like the dude just laid down for him, but he going to have to put some work in to beat me. Well, I know you've been putting the work in uh, for sure, my guy. I know that you've been getting ready for this thing, running miles and miles and miles from what I've been uh, yes, seeing sir. on uh, social media. Yes, sir. I can't get tired no more, man. That that was my only downfall, me getting tired. People know it. They done seen it. It ain't no reason to lie about it and shit. <laughs> but I fixed that problem, and um, I'm looking to be one of the best ever. Well, uh, you know, uh, anybody that listens to the show knows that uh, we're certainly high on you here, man. And, uh, I know there's a, the world of potential in you that... You know, you're one of these guys that's got that it factor, which, you know, you can't can't be taught. So, uh, you know, you combine that with the hard work. And uh, I think the sky's the limit. Uh, before I let you go, man, I want to let you uh, give some shout outs where they are due. Uh, any sponsors, <laughs> family, uh, training partners, all that stuff. I'll let you uh, shout them out here and then finish us off by letting us know where we can follow you on social media. Yes, sir. You know, this is my favorite part of the talk. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> got the spiel. Shout out to KMAA. Let's go all day. All my training partners, Ovid, Jared, uh, ja- uh, Jackson, um, everybody, man. Jason King, Emily King, everybody. Chris, uh, Eric Turner himself, 
You know, they get me to they get me to where I need to be. And don't forget about Slick Rick, my boy Slick Rick too. And you can follow me on um on Instagram at King underscore Tank fifty two. And that's on Instagram on Facebook, Tank Hog, baby. You know we run it through everything. Tank Hog on Facebook. And that's about it, man. Thank y'all. Hey, once again, man, this has been the main event for next week's show. Valor 72 will be defending that strap against Logan Dean and then uh, looking to go on to bigger things uh, as he uh, prepares to, to turn professional. Uh, once again, this has been Tank Wilson Jr. Thanks so much for the time, Tank. We are uh, really stoked for next weekend. Thank you, man. Anytime for you, Tim. Anytime. All right. Thanks so much to all of our guests tonight. Uh, we look forward to seeing all three of these cats in action at next week's show. And with that, we will turn to uh, a little business at hand. Justin, we've got uh, some shows uh, to recap in this past weekend. Of course, uh, you know, we, we had the Bellator uh, show from their uh, their own fight bubble over there in Connecticut. And then we had uh, the UFC which uh, we were hoping would have uh, Ovin St. Preux, uh, you know, in action. And to me, this was kind of a short card already. I was, I was stoked for the main event. And, of course, that gave us some local interest here, having OSP on the card. Beyond that, it was very contender series-ish. Uh, so losing uh, that uh, OSP fight was, was certainly uh, disappointing. Uh, we didn't hear about it until, uh, you know, on fight day, there was talk that there had been – Negative tests throughout the week and positive tests throughout the week. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, I, I know that they had said that he had COVID several weeks ago, like three plus weeks ago, but it since tested negative. So, uh, you know, your thoughts on, on this whole situation, man, it sounds like uh, he was fine. He wasn't symptomatic. He felt good. Uh, but they aired on the side of caution and his bout with Alonzo Minifield. Uh, it looks like they've rescheduled it for September the 5th is what I heard, which is just in a couple weeks. Uh, your thoughts on this, uh, this whole situation, uh, here. It's a tough one, man. You know, we've, we've already heard that the tests are super inaccurate, um, all around. And then I think as far as I know, uh, they were at least doing, um, uh, the antibody test as well, which would show you, you know, if you had it previous and if he just had it a month ago, then he should be uh, immune, you know, for, for a minute, some, have some kind of immunity. And so he wouldn't be able to catch it again. And they should be able to identify that in, in that test. But um, I don't know, man, it sucks. You know, I don't know if they had to drive back or if they were able to fly, but it's a long drive if they had to do that. And now he's going to have to, you know, pack up and go back out there. It's good that he didn't lose all that money. I don't know what his contract looks like, but He's got tons of fights. I mean, you know, he's making a good good chunk of change to get in there, and um, luckily he gets to gets to still come make the money here in a couple weeks. Absolutely, it kind of makes you wonder, like, how do they treat these things going forward when you have like a long like a long term positive test? You know, like if you were positive three weeks ago. One would think that would be enough time for it to get out of his system. He's been rebooked. For, you know, in fact, he tested negative at, at least one time uh, before, the, you know, before he tested positive again. Uh, you know, they rebooked it for two weeks down the road. Is that really that long uh, from now to where we're sure we don't get another positive test? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the science behind it, I guess, says that you should be good in two weeks. Um, but like you say, I, I don't know how, if he already 
had it before. Maybe he got a false positive the first time, and, and he didn't actually have it then. And maybe that's why the antibody test didn't show up anything. I, I don't know. But, um, I mean, they've had other people who have uh, failed the test and then fall a couple weeks later, I think, already. So, uh, hopefully it goes through all right. Um, it's just a, it's a weird situation altogether. I don't even know how you how do you even prepare for it. You know, I'm sure they took tests before they got on the plane to go to Vegas. And, um, you know, and then, like, like you said, I mean, I, I saw um, some posts saying that he had passed some, failed some, the whole – you know, all of his corners passed all their tests and everything. And um, so, you know, the way it looks, it looks to me like it was false positives. Um, but uh, I guess it could be just um, asymptomatic. But um, I don't know. It's a crazy situation we're going through. Yeah, no doubt, man. Of course, that was on the uh, the UFC Vegas 7 card headlined by Frankie Edgar and Pedro Munoz. They went down Saturday night. That was an UFC Plus card. Main event, of course, uh, was the the main kind of talk going into it was how would Frankie Edgar look when he's dropping one thirty five. Um, you know, I I was on him here. You know, I, I got him at uh, you know nearly plus two hundred. I got him in our picks league as one of the only motherfuckers to do that. And I was hesitant there. Don't get me wrong, I was scared, just like uh, you know one would be, just not knowing how this cut was going to go for him. He's, he's been knocked out a couple times in a row. Munoz is a hitter, you know, five rounds. There's a lot of things uh, that were that were kind of uh, scary there. But after seeing him at the weigh-ins, I thought he looked good. Looked like his energy was good. Looked like he was in good shape. And uh, I took the plunge there, man, and uh, and was uh, was happy uh, for, for it. You know, uh, Frankie Edgar defeats Pedro Munoz. Split decision. Uh, uh, it was 48, 47, 46, 49, 48, 47. So, you know, there were so many rounds in this that could have gone either way. Uh, you know, I could have seen it any number of ways. Uh, if had they read, read the scorecard lots of different ways, and I wouldn't have really batted an eye. I was very prepared for him to say Pedro Munoz's name at the end, but was super happy that it was Frankie Edgar. Of course, Pedro Munoz uh, has, has cried foul over all this, wants to, to get an immediate rematch. Because uh, he thought he was robbed. I don't think anybody was robbed. I think it was super close, good fight. Uh, you know, I'm fine with Edgar winning, and it's not just because of bet on it. Yeah, I was with you. I mean, I, I took Edgar too, and um, going to that decision, I was definitely unsure. You know, I, I could definitely see going for either uh, either guy. Um, it, you know, it's kind of weird, I guess, when you look at the scorecards to see, you know, the two judges give it uh, three to two for Frankie, and then the dissenting judge have it four to one for Munoz, but. Like you said, the rounds were all so close, depending on the angle that you were at for certain um, during certain combos, you know, to see what actually landed and what didn't land. I think overall, Frankie just kind of um, won the, the combo battle. You know, Pedro was pushing forward most of the fight and, and landing big shots. But um, Frankie was making a miss quite a bit uh, and landing a lot more combos, uh, you know, and, and continuing to throw his footwork was there. He was eating leg kicks like crazy. Um, but it was a great fight. I think it was all that we uh, expected it to be. Um, and it's wild just to think about, you know, Frankie now at 37, 38, um, then dropping down to, to 135 pounds. You know, if you could imagine if he was still 30, 32, whatever he was when he had the belt, if he would have started dropping down then and, and trying to be champ champ, you know, he, he possibly could have been a three-division champion um, at that time. You know, Pedro Munoz is top five, and he just now went in there and, and took that win. So uh, it was a big win for Frankie, and I don't think Pedro's stock drops any in that because, like you said, it's just so close. 
Um, I think out of the media, 17 out of 20 gave it to Pedro. Um, I wasn't sitting down scoring it. You know, I, I had Frankie, so I was biased in it anyway. Um, but I could see it going to, to uh, Pedro for sure. You know, uh, Frankie also came in there and he took Pedro's top five ranking. They uh, just released the new rankings and he took the number five slot, knocks Pedro to six. Uh, so do you think this is a win that declares uh, uh, Frankie Edgar as a contender? I'm not sure that I saw. I, I thought, he, no, don't get me wrong. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked great. But I don't know that I saw enough to make me think that he's going to knock off the elite of the division yet. Yeah, I don't I don't know um, that he'll ever fight for the title in this weight class. I think this weight class is stacked, absolutely stacked. And um, but he, he makes a great placeholder for, you know, for for a top three gatekeeper. You know, um, I see him sitting around that top five or six for uh, as long as he wants to stick around for probably. Um, you know, Frankie's got so much experience, so much heart. He's, you know, used to fighting a, a much bigger opponent. Um, so I think, you know. It's it's a the fight itself is a lot easier for him. He's not taking the same shots that he used to be taking, um, and I think he's gonna be super hard to finish down here. Um, so I see him sticking around for a little while. Did, did Bryce Mitchell stay in the top fifteen? I think he just debuted in the top fifteen in these new rankings. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that he was in there, but I didn't know if that was last week's rankings or if it was this week's rankings. I didn't know if he had. It would suck if he debuted and then uh, Frankie got in and knocked him out. <laughs> Yeah, 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 no doubt, man. <laughs> now, um, yeah, what do you what do you think is a uh, next uh, good step here for uh, from for Frankie coming off here? While I was watching the fight, I thought, you know, I think it would be a of good public interest, and you would get a lot of you know uh, interest uh, intrigue, if you will, behind a fight with uh, Dominic Cruz. Although Cruz, you know, they both uh, Cruz coming off a loss. But, you know, they're both kind of just old school names that I think would be a fun fight. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, Cruz's loss is, was to the champion in a title fight. So um, it's not, you know, you're not going to put Cruz up against the number eight or nine guy next. Uh, so I think Cruz is, is I, I don't know what he's sitting at in the rankings now, but he has to be still top six. Um, so I think that, you know, and, and it draws. They're both names. They're both legends. Future Hall of Fame for both guys, I'm sure. Um I've heard that that uh, Cruz doesn't really want that fight. I don't blame him really. Um, I, I heard that he his excuse was more that he wants to face some of these up and coming guys and prove himself. But yeah. um, but Frankie's a hard out man. Like you know Frankie's gonna take you into deep waters. They both got great footwork um, and great wrestling. You know so I think that uh, Frankie's a is a definitely a tough fight for him. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, aside from from Frankie, I guess um, I think there's a fight coming up. Uh, what's his name? That he fought uh, Jose Aldo last. Oh, um, you put me on the spot here. Uh, <laughs> Mariah? Yeah, Mar- Marlon Marias. Does he have a fight lined up? Yeah, it's, it's that him that. and uh, him and Sandhagen are fighting. So maybe like the winner of of Marais and Sandhagen. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that fight either. Yeah. Yeah. I could get behind that one. Co-main event, uh, which was certainly fortunate for these guys. I, I would imagine that no one was happier about hearing uh, OSP tested positive for COVID 
then Mike Rodriguez and Martin Prakniao, uh, who were promoted to the main event on a card that I don't even know that it deserved to be on the main card. But, uh, you know, Mike Rodriguez gets the first round knockout over Pragniel, uh, who had been gone for like two years and didn't look very good before he was gone. But there was a little mystery to me as to like just what he would look like coming back. So I laid off of this one uh, all around. I didn't bet on it. I didn't have it on my damn uh, DraftKings lineups either. And you needed it because, uh, because it delivered big points at this first round knockout. Uh, Mike Rodriguez gets the win there. Before that, we had Joe Selecki uh, knocking off Austin Hubbard by submission, rear naked choke. Uh, and the first round, I was I was off on this one too. I had Austin Hubbard. I didn't think Selecki would uh, have the wrestling chops to get Hubbard where he needed him to impose that get uh, to, but it didn't matter because he just backpacked his ass. Yeah, uh, Joe Selecki, I mean, it was similar to uh, – well, we saw in Aljo's last fight uh, with Sandhagen, you know, Selecki just got on his back and um, took a little little bit longer. But, um, you know, the, the difference in, in Joe Selecki and um, Austin Hubbard's last opponent, you know, jo, jo, they're both strong jiu-jitsu guys. But Joe Selecki, when he came in, he showed that he had the striking to, to be able to stay in the fight as well. Um, you know, and then once he got the back, I mean, it was just he was relentless uh, on the choke. Um, I hit on him and Mike Rodriguez. That the knockout for Mike Rodriguez was huge. He had a nasty uh, toe injury, I think, after the fight. Um, was that him or Daniel Rodriguez? One of those two split their toe open on the cage real nasty. Oh, wow. That sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before that, uh, a fight that I assume that most everyone got wrong. Santa uh, Dobson knocks off Maria Agapova, uh, second round TKO. And uh, Dobson came into this one uh, a massive underdog. Agapova minus fourteen hundred. No one gave her a shot. Most expensive person on uh, your fantasy lineups. I had her everywhere, captain slot everywhere you could have her. Uh, and uh, man, suck. Ken uh, Dobson pulls it off. Man, three and four fighter knocks off this uh, prize prospect that it's obviously UFC's trying to, to build up and groom. In fact. Agapova had called out Dobson for this fight, oddly enough, and, uh, you know, really, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, blew her wide in the first round trying to go for the finish and just couldn't get it done and uh, and w- didn't have anything left in the second. I mean, she was beyond – she was dangerously spent to where she just wasn't even moving. She was prone on the ground. She was so tired as Dobson uh, comes back and gets that second-round knockout. You could have gotten Dobson at plus 600 and in between rounds. And uh, if you saw Agapova fading, you might have made it. Uh, you know, that out. Um, big upset here. Yeah, I lost. Uh, all my, I pretty much sank all my lineups because I was so heavily invested in Agapova. Yeah, I, I heard that um, Tank Abbott was in charge of Agapova's uh, strength and conditioning. Yeah, right. Game, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of made sense. But. This is the biggest upset in UFC history. I guess at closing, um, there was uh, some legitimate bet sites that had Shannon Dobson at uh, plus 1,100, um, wow. making that the, the biggest U- UFC upset. Um, so, yeah, that was massive. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Agapova just just too much. Um, she put too much in it. I guess she got too excited. She came for the finish a little too hard. Um, you don't usually see... Uh, you know, 125 pound women gas out that quickly. Um, but 
I don't know. She just blew it all in the first round. Maybe just a, a major adrenaline dump, and in the second, it was it was not pretty um, there at the end. You know, she was just kind of turtled up and defenseless, and um, I, that was that was a big upset, man. It, you know, we talked her. Well, I heard you talk about it earlier. You know, if you would have parlayed a couple of these underdogs, man, you could have cashed on the night. Sure. Yeah, you would have you would have hit a nice lick there. Uh, you definitely uh, an exposed prospect here, and it just kind of goes to show you, man. Like even with these huge odds, you know, you're always just like, wow, it, it, it's a lock. You know, look how big a favorite they are. They're a lock, but this is the this is the picture perfect example that anything can happen out there. Anyone can win on any given night. Yeah, it's a fight. You know, that's why. That's why people people gamble on it, you know. That's why it's a gamble still. The opening card, uh, opening main card fight, Daniel Rodriguez knocks off Dwight Grant, welterweight bout, first round TKO. It was a wild and woolly one, man. Uh, that I thought Dwight Grant was going to finish off Rodriguez early. I was on Rodriguez here and had pretty much already written myself off as a loser. And he comes back. Dwight Grant blows his load. Gets gets hit, uh, you know, and hurt, and uh, still manages to hang in there for a while. And eventually, Daniel Rodriguez drops him, gets the uh, the first round TKO there. Uh, originally supposed to face uh, uh, Takashi Sato, and that fight fell off. And then Dwight Grant had like a, his second or third replacement opponent pull out at the last minute, so they ended up fighting each other. Uh, they ended up both getting like a tougher fight essentially than they initially had. And uh, Rodriguez pulled it out. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, pretty, but it, I would say that it was fun. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, with, for Dwight Grant, you know, like I said, you said I thought he was winning the fight, and then um, just kind of gassed out. At this point, you know, people were getting these opportunities last minute. I don't know how long um, Dwight Grant had had been planning on fighting somebody, but probably not. But a few weeks, I guess. But you know. You got to be ready if you're going to take these fights. You know, for Agapova, the same thing. Like, it's it's great to to be able to take these last minute fights, but if you're going to go in there and gas out in the first round at 170 pounds, you're not doing yourself any favors. Um, so, I don't know. That was my biggest takeaway. Neither guy looked great in that fight, but like I said, it was uh it was entertaining. The undercard, uh, only four bouts. Amanda Limos. Gets a unanimous decision win over Mizuki anyway. I was on the wrong side of that one. Uh, it looks good. He's just like super physical out there. And like, what, have you noticed like this trend where like these Brazilian strawweight girls all of a sudden are like invading the scene and like kicking a lot of ass? Yeah, there's a few of them, man. She came out guns a blazing. Um, I think she might have been a little bit of a dog in that fight. I can't remember, oh, but um, one thirty or so. Yeah. So, um, but. It didn't, you know. It looked like she should have been a big favorite. It was a very dominant performance against a, a game opponent, you know, coming out of Longo's camp up there, and um, you know she came in and, and did work. Jordan Wright takes uh, out Ike Villanueva in a, uh, for a light heavyweight bout put together at the very last minute. Jordan Wright steps up from 185 uh, and gets a first round TKO, nasty cut uh, on Ike. Uh, you know, lands a spinning back kick early and. Uh, Right, the guy that you know had really been kind of like he's been like kind of torn apart for fighting hands. You know, he's gotten you know wins over 0 and 21, 0 and 10. So I think a lot of people kind of you kind of dispelled him in this one. 
And I'm not saying that he's going to be some kind of world beater, but I think more or less, like, you know, Mike Dona Leonard got to be towards the bottom of the ladder in the light heavyweight division. Uh, we'll see if Jordan Wright can stick in the UFC. Matthew Simmelsberger uh, defeats Carlton Minus, a welterweight bout uh, by unanimous decision, fairly wide there. Uh, Simmelsberger, uh, I think, uh, was a, a pretty nice little play on DK. I think a lot of people were on Minus. I think a lot of people were betting Minus, uh, at least. Um, from what I can tell, the Simmelsberger uh, looks much better. And then Trevin Jones in the opening bout, another late replacement fight. He fought a former PFL uh, star teamer, Valiev, and he gets a second round TKO to strikes after being nearly finished himself in the first round. Uh, it comes a crazy come from behind win. Another fight where you had a you know, plus 300, plus 350 or better, plus 400. Uh, fighter knock off the uh, knock off the favorite and this one was uh, you know everything was stacked against him short notice you know you name it and uh, a tough matchup and uh, Trevin Jones really kind of had a little coming out party there your thoughts on these uh, last ones yeah that was the other the other big underdog win of the night um, you know in the first round Tamir Valley of just was a, looked like a monster he landed a nasty body kick that, that dropped Jones and you know, the referee let that go, and, and Jones survived it and came back in, in the second round just um, with some vicious uh, ground and pound and, and finished the fight off. Um, Smelsenberger, I thought, looked good. Uh, Carlton Minus was, I don't know, man, that was weird. In between rounds, he's, like, telling his coaches how he likes the other guy and how yeah. he's a good guy. and I, I don't know. He didn't seem very focused on the fight. Uh, super athletic guy. Just It seemed like his focus might not have been there where – uh, Smellsberger was was honed in on the fight and um, you know bringing it to him. I think that Minus was probably the the better athlete, maybe the better fighter, um, but you know it just didn't play out that way because of like I said, I just don't think his focus was there. Um, I thought Jordan Wright looked great. He's a big, uh, athletic, physical light heavyweight guy that you could see um, you know big things from if if his chin can take it if he's if he's got that durability. Uh, when it comes to fighting these these other heavy strikers and stuff, but you know to see to see big guys like that throwing uh, those big knees and and spinning back kicks and stuff is is nice to see uh, in the light heavyweight division. Just just to see more guys that are coming up and um, you know have that that versatility to them. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see where he goes from here uh, and and get his chin tested out a little bit and see see what he does you know against some adversity. Of course, also last weekend, real quickly, we'll touch on Bellator 244. Went down uh, Friday night. Uh, John Salter knocks off Andrew Capel with a third-round submission. Fairly dominant win there. Valentin Moldovsky over Roy Nelson by uh, fairly wide, unanimous decision. He was a 10-to-1 favorite there. Like, Roy Nelson, has, his role has completely changed here in the past couple of years, it appears. Julia Budd uh, over Jesse Mealy, uh, unanimous decision, another pretty wide win. And then Vadim Dimkov with the upset pulls off a second round uh, not a TKO over Ryan Bader, the champion, who, and he really just had the best of him, it seemed like, all the whole night, man. Uh, just too quick. Uh, clips Bader, knocks him down with a big head kick, and uh, Bader fought valiantly to, uh, you know, to right the ship, but uh, it just wasn't to be as Vadim Nimkov, your new Bellator 205 champion. Your thoughts on Bellator 244? Uh, last week, you know, Bellator had a had a stacked card. I was thinking, you know, this is this is 
a, a big showing for Bellator, and this week they were back to their usual um, offering. I guess I think it was a big win for John Salter at middleweight. Um, you know, I think that he's now on a short list of guys who who couldn't lay claim to a fight with uh, Gegard and um, picked up a win against you know a, a formidable opponent uh, in Koppel there. Roy Nelson just kind of got out wrestled, man. I mean, he just it's weird. You know, he's got the jujitsu skills that I think he could have done something a little bit differently and, and won that fight. I, I, I don't know if he just was uh, content on thinking he could get back up and land a big shot at some point or what, but um, I think he's lost like fucking seven of his last eight or something. Uh, Julia Budd, this was kind of just a, you know, not a terrible fighter that, that she was going up against, but um, it's kind of a, a tune-up fight coming off that cyborg loss. Uh, some, you know, Julia Budd is, is definitely the number two uh, featherweight over there, and um, I think they wanted to to get her back in the winning track and and make her look decent. You know, she got a, a decent decision there. And uh, man, I felt this from from Nemkov from the time they made this fight. I was uh, I was was on this one, and um, I, I think he, he you know he made Ryan Bader look pretty silly. Um, and so that's the, the uh, first guy. We're really the only guy that hasn't come out of the UFC that's that's going to be um, relative in their division, but um, it'd be interesting to see him fighting uh, with some UFC guys. Of course, uh, there has been a little uh, exchange, uh, if you will, uh, between Dana White and uh, Bellator Brass. Uh, Scott Coker, uh, you know, went on the record said Bellator has the best light heavyweight champ when John uh, Jones uh, moved up to heavyweight. Uh, and Dana White said, "Quote Scott Coker's best light." Uh, he says that his that, that their claims were cute, and he said that super fights were the the dumbest idea ever. Throwing a little bit of shade at the Bellator light heavyweight division after uh, Coker kind of said that you know they've got the top division now, 205. Dana's like, "Ah, we let all these guys go. We you know all these guys were have been let their has beens from us. There are castoffs now. Vadim uh, Nimkov, of course, is is not." But uh, your your thoughts on that little uh, back and forth there? Do you think uh, Bellator has the best light heavyweight division, or uh, you know, or, or these is that wishful thinking? I think they definitely don't have the best light heavyweight division, but they absolutely have the best light heavyweight champion because the UFC currently doesn't have a light heavyweight champion, and in there's you know the belts up for grabs uh, with with um, Jan Blahovic and uh, Dominic Reyes coming mm-hmm. up soon, but. Um, I think Nemkov would be right there in the UFC, um, but he's the only one. I mean, like you said, everybody else is guys who couldn't really hack it in the UFC. Corey Anderson's over there now who, you know, beat a couple top five guys probably, but um, was never probably never going to make a run for the title. But I think, you know, Nemkov could. The thing about cross-promoting and is that there's just nothing to gain for the UFC. I mean, when, you know, this, is, this has been a thing – kind of i guess all week um but the difference in in now and and when the ufc did it with pride and sent chuck over at that time pride was arguably bigger than the ufc on a global scale um, as far as viewership goes and and recognition and everything so that was more to build the ufc into a new audience where that's what this would be doing for bellator but it wouldn't be doing anything for the ufc obviously and if a bellator champion does come over and beats a ufc champion that that shoots Bellator way up and, you know, definitely doesn't look good on the UFC. So you're never going to see it because of that. 
They have nothing to lose. Yeah, there's the, the, yeah, Bellator has zero to lose. Um, yeah, I think uh, it'll always be something that's talked about, but it, it'll never happen. It, no. It'll always it'll always be, you know, if you're the champion in Bellator for you, you defend your title a couple times and you want to sign with the UFC, you've got a spot, but um, and and you got a spot probably in the top ten, but you're never gonna just come over and fight the champion. Bellator 244 was the lowest rating of the year, um, it appears, and uh, this is coming on the report that they will be leaving the Paramount Network after their September 22nd show and likely headed to the CBS Sports Network. That's probably a better fit, wouldn't you think? Yes, I guess CBS and maybe it's like their bigger events on Showtime Mm. um, from what I was was seeing. Yeah, I think that it's a better play for them if if they can get – you know, if they can get eventually to CBS proper, that would be, you know, a great, um, a great thing for them. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's a good move. All right. And then finally, uh, to wrap up this last week, we had contender series just a couple nights ago and, uh, looked like another night where four out of five got contracts. Um, Colin Huckbody, uh, defeats Kyron Bowen with a, uh, pretty quick, Arm drag on the first round. I thought Hug Body, uh, you know, every, you know, the the book on him coming in, he was a super good gra- uh, wrestler, grappler, uh, and he showed that here. I thought his striking looked a little wonky. So, you know, if he finds somebody that's going to be able to defend the takedown, that guy is a, probably a candidate to get knocked out. Uh, but he got a contract. Anthony Romero, uh, the lone person on this card, did not get a contract. However, he did win a unanimous decision over a very tough Mike Breeden. Didn't get the contract, though, and I think this guy probably had the most hype of anyone coming into this week, undefeated, 7-0, a GSP prototype, the way they kind of built him up to be on uh, the broadcast. Jeff Molina wins unanimous decision over Jacob Silva in the flyweight division, earns a contract, and uh, couldn't help but notice that they made it no secret. He was a training partner with Laura Sanko there, so uh, I, I'm not surprised he got the contract, even though he didn't get the finish. Uh, Rafael Alves with a submission uh, by Guillotine, second round over Alejandro Flores. This guy's he's killer, man. This He's going to be an, an immediate uh you know, uh, they, they can he can immediately kind of go to the middle of the division at least and be competitive. Then Jamie Pickett in his third try uh, on a contender series finally gets it done, knocks out uh, Jonathan Pati or TKO stoppage uh, over Jonathan Pati um, in the second round and gets that contract. Jamie Pickett from out your neck of the woods in North Carolina, Justin. Yeah, uh, I'm I actually. Fucked around and forgot all about it, but I, I did see Jamie Pickett's highlights. Um, he finished with like a 25 punch combo or something. Uh, he looked really good, man. Um, but that's just really all I got. I, I messed around, totally forgot the contender series was on last night. What do you make of the fact that they have signed more than they haven't signed um, over the first four weeks? Is that you know, I think I read somewhere that Dana had said that, you know, with signing all these new fighters, that means that we're going to have to cut fighters as well. Do you think that uh, kind of sending a signal to the active roster that, you know, you got to win fights, you got to perform, or the least is going to be short because, hell, we've signed, uh, you know, 15 guys in the last uh, four weeks uh, to, uh, you know, to join the promotion? Yeah, maybe a little, but, I mean, they've also got, 
so many cards to fill up right now. I think they could use as many athletes as, as they can get on the roster mm-hmm. um, just to be able to fill these spots. And, you know, we're, we're having cards every weekend, but last weekend was 10 fights. I think this one coming up is 10 fights. We've had nine fight cards. We've had some small cards. So I think right now the, the more high-level talent that they can bring in, the better. Um, and I think it's a good look for contender series for them to be signing, uh, you know, four out of five guys or girls on the night, um, you know, just because, you know, if you make it there, you got a, you got a pretty good shot of getting a contract if you can win your fight. And um, I think it, it makes it funner to watch, you know, would like, and how bad would it suck to be the one guy who didn't get a contract? You know, you're just left sitting there in the chairs and everybody else leaves. Um, that would be, that would be tough. But uh, I think, I think guys do need to be um, paying attention to, to all these new signings and know that, um, you know, but we've got a card coming up where I think this weekend, I think five five fighters on the card are coming off wins. Um, you know, so people with three, four losses in a row, you know, um, are, are it's it's that's just kind of the game. That's how it goes. So you got to keep keep the uh, keep the train rolling and keep fresh bodies coming in. And um, these old guys have to make way. I'll tell you what, if you are a uh, sports better or you play uh, Daily Fantasy on MMA, these Contender Series weeks are a great uh, a great tool <laughs> to uh, to see a lot of these guys because th- you're seeing so many of these guys go straight from Contender Series to UFC and then they're fighting immediately in the UFC and then now they're on DK rosters and so being able to you know kind of keep up with their progress through there is is a nice tool uh, to have uh, unlike you know in the past where so many of your UFC debuts are coming off regional shows. You can't find footage, things like that. Uh, now it's just more than, more than not. If you're debuting in the UFC, it's through the contender series. Yeah. And, and these guys that are coming, guys and girls that are coming off the contender series are not going into necessarily debut UFC fights. I mean, you know, like with JSP went straight into to Joe Lozon. Um, you know, we've got, these guys are, are coming in and filling spots where they're needed. Uh, and it's getting them a lot of exposure, you know. All right, that brings us to our final segment of the evening. We're going to look ahead to this week's action as it is now UFC Vegas 8, and it is going to go down this Saturday night. It's another ESPN Plus card um, for your whatever, $5.99 a month or whatever. The ESPN Plus has been, has been, you know, it's typically not something that I would subscribe to. I would typically probably just steal it. But it, now I actually just do I subscribe to it. It's just, you know, it's pretty inexpensive and you get a lot of content. It's just easier that way, you know. But so I'm, I'm pumped to see all these ESPN Plus cards. Uh, we have got uh, the August 29th card, of course, headlined by a less than inspiring main event here. We've got Anthony Smith taking on Alexander Rockets. I had to wait about number five versus number eight. Rockets a pretty heavy favorite over uh, Anthony Smith coming into this one, although Anthony Smith, uh, to me, uh, has been in there with uh, obviously a much higher level of competition. He's been in there, uh, you know, in the, at the top of the card for uh, for so for a couple of years now, you know, and so uh, it seems like uh, he's only been losing to the very, very, uh, you know, uh, at least like ranked types. We'll find out if Rockets fits the bill there. He's obviously going to have the advantage in the striking. Um, you know, Smith, I don't know if he's got the takedowns to get him down. If he does, then we may see 
uh, him be dangerous and kind of pull something off. Now, keep in mind, it's only a three-round fight um, versus a five-round uh, fight for main event. And most books have Rockets three to one. Uh, Smith coming back about plus two twenty five. My lean is honestly, my initial gut instinct is to go with just the experience of Anthony Smith. Although I just don't like putting my money on Anthony Smith uh, any ever really. Yeah, like you say about the experience, this is Anthony Smith's sixth straight main event. It, you know, obviously, this was supposed to be co main event, but got moved up. But it just speaks to the volume of you know the caliber opponent that he's faced um, with. The, the the champion and, and all the top contenders uh, in the division, and, and he's right there with everybody. He got dominated in his last fight. Um, so I, I really expect to see a different Anthony Smith. I was surprised by the line. Rockets just coming off of a close uh, decision loss to, to Ozdemir. Um, but, you know, Smith finished Ozdemir. I, I, I like Smith in this fight, and I like Smith by finish. Um, but I, I guess we'll see. Rockets has, has got nasty striking and if he can catch you clean you know he, he hits he hits hard but anthony smith can take the best of them and uh i have a hard time seeing him getting finished in three rounds so um i don't know i don't know what brockage is going to be prepared for on the ground but i think anthony smith's uh jiu-jitsu is, is at a much higher level um and he could could expose rockets there Co-main event gives us a little bit of name value on this card, at least. We've got ruthless Robbie Lawler uh, taking on Neil Magny uh, in a welterweight bout. This one's kind of interesting, I think. You know, uh, Lawler um, is obviously the most recognizable name on this card, I think, to your to your average fan. But he's the underdog here. Magny is about minus 250. Lawler coming back about plus 200. This is uh, this is this one's kind of difficult for me, you know, because I think that you know Lawler hasn't won in three years at this point, but he's been fighting the elite of the division. While as Magny had taken a couple years out away, uh, I guess from injury and things like that, he comes back and uh, and now he's won two in a row himself, but not against you know top level competition. Uh, he beat well the good guys, you know, he beat the the leech. Uh, uh, and he beat uh, Tony Martin, which are, are good wins, but you know, not elite level guys in the division. So uh, this is uh, one of those fights where you know, obviously, I think that uh, you know, uh, uh, Magny's going to want to you know keep Robbie at length. He may want to grind. He's typically not a finisher. He's going to want to grind on him. Uh, maybe go for takedowns. Robbie's takedown defense is typically pretty good. So you know, we may see a, a fight where Magny just tries to keep him at reach. Uh, he's going to have a major advantage in that department. But as long as we're getting that kind of fight, Robbie stays dangerous all the way to the final bell is he's the one with the one hitter quitter power. Yeah, you said it pretty good, man. I mean, I was I'm kind of surprised by the odds being as as far as they are. I think that Neil Magny should probably be the favorite um, coming off of a couple wins and Robbie's coming off three straight losses. But th- some of the the wins that or the losses rather that Neil Magny has is to the to the stronger, bigger, more um, imposing guys in the division, the, the harder hitters, the you know the pushers, uh, and that's what Robbie Robbie is always has been, and that's what he's going to come in there trying to do. One of the big parts of um, of of uh, ah crap uh, Neil Magny's game is is the clinch. You know he's got good knees and good elbows in the clinch and and works some nice trips from there but that's a dangerous spot to be with robbie too breaking off that clinch robbie's going to be throwing heat um and then at distance it's going to be the same thing 
I like Robbie in this fight just because of the odds mainly. Um, I think Neil all around maybe a little bit higher caliber uh, all around than Robbie. Uh, but the experience is definitely goes to Robbie. I think the power goes to Robbie. Um, and he, he needs a win desperately, man. Female action uh, before that as we have uh, a, a flyweight bout here as Alexa Grosso makes the move up from strawweight to take on uh, Ji Young Kim, South Korean fighter. Uh, Grosso is a heavy favorite in this one, uh, three to one, with Kim coming back about plus 240, 250, give or take. Um, I think the one kind of X factor here is Grosso's coming up to 125, but she didn't really show any like stopping power or uh, finishing ability at 115. So moving up to the bigger weight with these bigger girls, is she going to be able to, to, to really do a lot with them? She's a super technical striker, but just not a lot of power. You know, that said, uh, Ji Young Kim really doesn't have anything, uh, any significant wins to write home about. Coming off of whatever, Nadia Kaysen, who wasn't very good. Melinda Fabian wasn't very good. You know, she has whatever Justine Key, she looks like it's her best win. But then she's lost to Antonina Shevchenko, who looked like last time we saw her, it was real bad. So, I don't know, man. This, to me, I'm going to probably pass just because I don't want to give up those kind of odds with not knowing how Grosso is going to fare at 125 just yet when she just really didn't show a whole lot of, you know, uh, she didn't impose a lot at 115. Yeah, that's that's the um, the scary part about this. Uh, you know, also, um, Kim has missed weight for her last couple of fights, so she's going up in weight and fighting a girl who has trouble making the weight as it is. So she, she should definitely be the smaller girl, you would think. But, um, you know, part of the not having the stopping power um, down a division could be that she, the weight cut was just a little too much. Maybe uh, maybe this is the, the division that she belonged in from the start. She's not a tiny girl, um, but she is super technical. Um, I, I think that she'll probably get a, a pretty easy win here. But it, it all kind of – I'm interested to see the weigh-ins and just see how she looks at this weight. Um, when they face off, and and uh, but I, I feel like she should be able to get a good win. I, I think um, I think Alexa Grasso is is one of the one of the better uh, female prospects that we have right now, and uh, she's just you know just getting better every time we see her. Ricardo Lamas uh, is taking on Bill Algio, uh, late replacement. It was supposed to be Ricardo Lamas and Ryan Hall, which I uh, would uh, which I would have been. Uh, no, am I off base? No, that's right. No, you got it. Okay, yeah. Uh, it was just Ryan Hall, which I would have been much more, uh, you know, excited to see. But uh, Bill Algio is coming off a contender series. Um, uh, he was only contender series, and he lost. And then he won a fight on Cage Fury since then. So, uh, you know, he's a pretty experienced guy, 13-4. and four. I don't know a whole lot about him besides that. I remember on his contender series fight, he got taken down and just, like, laid on the whole time. Uh, Ricardo Lamas, old school, man. You know, he comes from WBC. He's 38 years old now, though. And he's uh, coming off a loss to Calvin Cater, where he got knocked out over a year ago. Um, before that, he beat Darren Elkins. And, uh, and, and, but then before that, he, he had two straight losses to Bectic and Emmett. So, you know, he's one and three in his last four over the last three years or so. I think, uh, it's safe to say that his, uh, 
uh, any shot at him being a contender are gone. But uh, in this particular fight against uh, Bill Algio, he's going to be a sizable favorite, nearly 300, minus 300 here with uh, Algio coming back about plus 250. For me, I, it's another situation where I just I don't trust Lamas coming back after uh, – uh, being uh, on the shelf for for over a year and coming off a knockout loss, I don't know enough about Algio just yet to give a ring endorsement of him. But I don't want to give three to one on with Lamas. Yeah, man. That, I mean, a lot of the fights on this card, the odds are are pretty long, <clears throat> um, and this is this is one of them that Bill Algio shouldn't should never be able to win this fight. I don't think. Um, I remember his fight with Brandon Lochnane in the in the contender series. You know, he was pretty well dominated, I feel like. And um, Ricardo Lamas is, you know, he's older, but he's always been one of the one of the top guys, you know, for a, for a long time. And he's got the experience. Um, I look for him to get get a nice comeback win here. Uh, but you know, you never know. Like we saw last weekend, we could uh, could be in for some some barking dogs that night. The real main event opens up the main card as <laughs> the rematch between Ian Kutalapra and uh, and his and now his arch nemesis Magomed Ankalaev. First time out, these guys uh, had a memorable one, I guess you could say. If you recall, uh, Kutalapra was uh, playing possum and uh, you know acting like he was a lot more hurt than he was, real wobbly, never dropped. He was on his feet the whole time, but he did such a good job of 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 faking it that he tricked the referee into stopping the fight more or less. And then he immediately kind of like snapped to, he's like, ah, what the fuck, you know? But, uh, man, up until that point, I still think Akalaya was kind of like him up, honestly. So we'll see if we get any different, um, outcome here in this rematch. Uh, but the, the, the books have, uh, Uncle Live is the fairly heavy favorite minus three thirty to minus three forty with the Kudalari going back to three seventy five. I'm inclined to agree with them, uh, but again, the odds are long. And Kuda Robert, the guy that just like he's such a wild man, he throws hard. He's just it's hard to it's hard to feel good fading him uh, and giving up that kind of juice again. Man, I hate to be a broken record. It would be a it would be a hard sell for me to to put that much money on, um, uh, you know, on on Ankalaev just because of like you said because Kuda is just so wild and crazy. He's gonna He's coming in there with a vengeance. He wants to to right the ship and right that wrong that he got last time. Um, I don't think Ankalaev has got any significant wins. You know, Kudalaver doesn't either. Uh, but I guess Khalil Roundtree is is a is a pretty decent win. But um, I think Kudalaver has faced the the higher level of competition so far. <clears throat> um, and at these odds, I'll, I'll probably stay away from it. But uh, Kudalaver is going to be dangerous in there. That's going to be a it's going to be a quick, probably fun fight. I, I don't know what the over under is on that one, but uh, that would be something to look at for sure. All right, uh, moving on here now. We have the undercard, and uh, we've got the return of a quick turnaround. Like I was just mentioning earlier, a contender series uh, alumni Impact Casagna uh, or is it Casagna? Is it Emma Casagna? I think. Yeah, fuck, man. Impa. He uh, is coming off of uh, a win just like two or three weeks ago on the Contender Series. Immediately got uh, his contract and his booked against Maki Patolo. Thought this was an odd booking because Patolo coming off a pretty quick commission loss to Darren Stewart just a few weeks back. I don't know why they wouldn't uh, give another opportunity to Stewart instead of a quick turnaround to Patolo. 
Uh, that said, it's a, certainly a, a clash of styles here. But Solo's the wild, swinging coconut bombs, you know. Uh, he's going to look to brawl. Impa is definitely more a wrestle grappler, uh, you know, strong, athletic guy. But I think if Impa has this way, it won't be nearly as exciting as uh, Amaki Tokoa win would be. And uh, as such, uh, with the odds, uh, Impa making his UFC debut and being a favorite here about right now, about minus 140 with Tokoa coming back plus 115. I would lead, uh, honestly, even though the style of the fight scares me because, uh, you know, Patolo's kind of shit on the ground and he's, uh, his takedown defenses are very good. And so that kind of plays into Impa's hands. But you get another one of those cases where Impa's taking just a massive step up in competition still from what he's seen on the regional level. And uh, Patolo may just be too salty for him. So I'm going to go with the underdog here and Maki Patolo with trepidation. Yeah, I like uh, Impa in this fight. I just think that the ways that Impa can win <clears throat> versus the ways that Maki can win, um, I think it favors Impa, you know, the, the grappling, just the grind it out, long decision, wear on him. Um, Maki's going to be looking to land big shots and, and trying to oh, end yeah. the fight. But, yeah, but, uh, you know, I think that Impa's, Impa's a tough dude. I, I don't think he's going to gonna just get caught and knocked out real quick. He might, but um, I like Impa getting the – getting the decision on this one we've got uh females needing a win that becomes the the theme pretty much from here on out people needing wins we've got a, a strawweight bout mallory martin uh taking on hannah cyphers and strawweight bout both these uh ladies uh really need a win you know cyphers i think has uh, earned some uh some in, uh, a little bit of uh, endear, uh, endurance from uh, the from the brass because she take on anybody and she'll fight on short notice and she'll fight up weight classes where she shouldn't be fighting at. You know uh, that hasn't really worked out for her here lately though. She's you know she's getting finished out there. Mallory Martin uh, going to be more her size I think at least uh, since they don't offer an atom weight division here in the UFC. Uh, this one's kind of a hard one to call for me, man. Mallory Martin is a pretty big favorite, minus 325. Uh, Cyphers plus 265, plus 275 coming back. I'm inclined to maybe roll the dice with Cyphers here, getting that kind of juice, just because she's super tough and she's been in there with tougher than Martin already. This is not going to be anything uh, harder than what she's been seeing. Yeah, for sure. I, I just I feel like at this point, Hannah Cyphers is almost just broken. Um, Coming off three losses, I just don't know if she can get the ship turned around at this point. Um, Mallory Martin, you know, she's only got one UFC fight, but it was against Virna Jandaroba, who we just saw, you know, with an impressive win. Um, other than that, she, you know, just some Invicta and LFA fights. Uh, but any time that she fought a name, um, she fought Macy Barber uh, and, and lost that fight in LFA. So, uh, it's definitely a big step up for co in competition for Mallory Martin. Um, but like I said, I just feel like Hannah Cyphers is, is you know, she's, she's primed to get a, a big upset win. But at the same time, I, I feel like she's almost just beaten down to the point where uh, her confidence is gone and, and she goes in there knowing the fight's already finished before it starts. Rounding out this undercard here, we'll run through these last three together. Zach Cummings takes on Alessio DiCirico in a middleweight fight that might suck real bad. Uh, that one might not be very fun to watch, I think. Of course, you've got uh, uh, nearly a pick'em here. We'll call it a pick'em. It's pretty much a pick'em. Uh, DiCirico and Cummings, I slightly lean at Cummings, uh, a fight that I'm probably going to step outside on. Uh, up until uh, we started recording, 
uh, I guess it was supposed to be Alex Caceres taking on Kevin Kroom, who was a late replacement for uh, Giga Chikadze. I want to say Goga Batadze because I've been watching NBA so much. But uh, now Kevin Kroom's out, and it looks like Alex Caceres' opponent will see when he's in the Emily Whitmire is the favorite over Pollyanna Viana, about minus 150 to be honest, plus 120. Man, I have betting on this fight is, uh, I mean, I guess Whitmire, but neither one of these girls are very are that impressive. Viana maybe being one of the worst fighters on the, on the roster potentially. Uh, and then uh, Christian Aguilera takes on Sean Brady in the curtain jerker. Brady, a pretty big favorite. In fact, the biggest favorite on the card, minus 400. Aguilera come back plus 300. Last time we saw Aguilera, he was knocking out a less than ready looking Anthony Ivy. So I don't know how much we can take from that. It looked like he was a hitter, but Ivy didn't look like he belonged. Sean Brady is, uh, you know, he's one of their uh, their big uh, prospects. They're trying to build undefeated 12 and 0. Should have the wrestling and grappling chops to have the advantage about everywhere, and seems like a pretty safe parlay. Your take on the rest of these. Only one I'm really uh, interested in is is Emily Whitmire and Pollyanna Vienna just because they're hot and Pollyanna's probably the hottest on on the UFC's roster even though she's the worst. Um, <laughs> Zach Cummings and Alessio DiCicari is is like you said it's probably going to be a uh, a very boring fight. Um, I probably lean Zach Cummings uh, like you say, um, but not with too much certainty on that one either. All right. Well, that will uh, wrap up this preview, I guess. We've got uh, probably a lot of changes over the next couple of days. Who knows if anything that we spoke about will even be relevant here in a couple of days as the world turns in the UFC uh, Vegas bubble over there. Uh, next week, we will be back for Pick'em Week. It is uh, the predictions panel coming up for next week's show for the Valor uh, card in uh, Knoxville for the – Hour 72 on September 4th. We'll have our picks panel together. Hopkins will be back in the house. We'll be uh, it'll be it'll be a, long, a lengthy one uh, to say the least. As I have booked way too many fights that, uh, once again, but it's like who am I to turn these guys down, man? These guys have been like in COVID lockdown for six months. They're begging to fight. They're coming from fucking Indiana, uh, in Ohio, and Michigan in droves. Uh, you know, I mean, they are just, we're getting, it's like an invasion from the great North and, uh, they, they, they are begging to come fight. So who am I to, to, to hold anyone back? And so, you know, come to the Joe on September 4th, you're going to see like 20 fucking fights for $25. How are you going to beat that? Uh, appreciate your time as always, brother. We will, uh, we'll talk to you next week, my man. All right, man. I'll see you then. All right. And for my co-host signing off once again, I'm your host, Tim Lloyd. We'll see you next week on the Valor Hour. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Let me ask you, how did you score Edgar Munoz? I had it 3-2 for Munoz. I gave Munoz the first, the third, and the fourth round, and I gave Frankie the second and the fifth. You see, I I gave Frankie uh, one, two, and five, and I gave Munoz three and four. But I see a lot of people gave Munoz Pedro uh, round one. Which which you did and and I didn't. Um, I just thought that was a damn close fight. But what I what I saw out of Edgar in round one 
was just I felt like the volume he was landing versus Pedro's uh, kicks and power strikes. That's why I scored that for Edgar. But that was that was a razor thin round, I thought, and, and just a razor thin fight. Yeah, to me, the only clear rounds I would say that I, I think are very clear, at least in my mind, is the second and the third round. I think the first, fourth, and fifth are all you know tight rounds. I think that. Uh, if you're more about volume, I think the more I think the more you side with Frankie Edgar. I, I thought Pedro landed some uh, more significant strikes, but look, I don't like. To me, at the, at the end of the day, Daniel, it's a close fight. If you have it, Frankie Edgar, I don't have a problem with you. You know, obviously, I had Munoz. I mean, I saw some people who had the fight for one Munoz. I mean, it, it's it's just a close fight, and I will tell you, Daniel, I was absolutely shocked. That in the aftermath of this fight, we did not have Peter Yan coming out calling for a Frankie Edgar fight. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.